0: I'm playing my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time to, have to drive to work. Okay, so today I'm gonna to talk about mana value. Exciting. Okay, so first, for those that might not know at the top of their head what a mana value is, let me explain. Okay, so let's say you have a grizzly bear. A grizzly bear costs one generic mana and one green mana for a 2-2 creature. Uh, the mana cost of the creature is one generic and one green. The mana value is two. So what mana value means is you count up all the mana in it, you know, the, the amount of mana, and it's a number equal to the amount of mana you have to spend for it, uh, but converting everything to a singular number. So if a, a spell costs three and a blue, that's a mana value of four. If it costs uh, four red red, that's a mana value of six. It's just the, the number of mana you have to pay. So mana value as a concept actually goes back to the very beginning of the game. Uh, There were three cards in alpha, animate artifact, spell blast, and sacrifice that made use of the concept of mana value. Now, it wasn't called mana value at the time. Uh, In alpha, they just called it casting cost. But it's a little bit confusing since casting cost kind of meant two different things. Um, What we now refer to as mana cost and what we refer to as mana value. Um, So, it it became clear pretty early on that casting cost, it was ambiguous what we meant. So then we started calling it Total Casting Cost, uh, which wasn't much clear. Uh, in fact, I would not say wasn't super clear at all. Uh, then came 6th edition. So 6th edition uh, invented the term mana cost instead of casting cost. Uh, and then instead of um, uh, total, it was converted. So it was mana cost and converted mana cost. Uh, converted being the, the word. I, I guess converted was slightly better than total. Um, but it was never... We always, people always got confused by converted mana costs, the CMC, if you will. Um, and it was never—we knew the term wasn't great. So we spent many years trying to find a better term for converted mana costs. We eventually settled in 8th edition—or not 9th, in Strixhaven. Uh, in Strixhaven, we, we eventually settled on mana value. Uh, and the idea is mana cost is the actual cost to cast a spell. So for grizzly bears, you know, one generic, one green. And mana value is the total add-up add amount of it, too. Okay, why is mana value important? Why do we care? Why is it a thing? Uh, and the reason is, one of the things you want to do when making a trading card game is you want to make a lot of cards, and you, you need to slice up what you're looking at. Um, and there's a bunch of ways to do that. Um, you can look at different card types. You can look at different colors. Sometimes you can look at different subtypes. You can also look at different super types. Um, but the, none of those really does a good job of differentiating power level. That if I talk about a red creature, well, I could have a weak red creature or a powerful red creature. Uh, if I talk about an enchantment, I could have a weak enchantment or a powerful enchantment. Um, the game really wants some way to say I need to differentiate between how strong a power is. Um, and I think the cleanest way to do that was to look at the mana value of a spell. And the reason is, you know, a one mana value spell has a certain band of power that it is. You know, no matter what, if I have a one mana, one mana value spell, and there's a few exceptions I'll get to in a second, um, pretty much, you, you know how much, how powerful that, you know, roughly that one mana is. And in fact, when we make magic, a lot of what we do is we think a lot about mana value. It, it, like, for example, let's say I'm making a creature. And uh, I, I know the mana value I want. I know that I want it to be, you know, three mana value. Uh, and I know the color it's in. And I know the abilities that are on it. With those things, play design can spit out a power and a toughness. That if it's this color with these abilities with this... You know mana value now whether or not there's one color pip or two color pips you know there, there's some nuance of um there's a difference between four and a green and three green green you get a little more value for three green green um but with a little bit of flexibility for colored mana um and once again um you know at low rarities we don't do a lot of double color mana we, we do I'll, I'll get into that i guess as we talk mana value but um anyway, it, it, the reason it started, the reason it exists, like, if you look at the three spells that Richard made in Alpha, Animate Artifact is kind of like, well, you put it, it's an enchant artifact, and the bigger the artifact you put it on, it turns into a creature, the bigger it is because it becomes, uh, its power toughness is equal to its mana value. So, the larger thing I'm putting it on, the more expensive thing I'm putting it on, the more powerful it is. Spellblast is I'm spending X mana to counter a spell of mana value X. So the more mana I spend, the more things I can counter. The more expensive things, the more powerful things I can counter. And sacrifice lets you sacrifice a creature and then get mana equal to the mana value of the creature. So if I just sacrifice a little thing, I'm just getting a little bit of mana. But if I sacrifice a large thing, I'm getting a whole bunch of mana. Um, And so really what's going on there is there are cards that want to say, I want to care about this other thing I'm interacting with and that, the way I gauge that, the way I figure out, the, the, the rough version of me figuring out about how powerful it is, is its mana value. Now, uh, there, there's two different things we, we, we sort of design. There's two different ways we design mana value. One is uh, we can care about mana value. So, for example, when I enter the battlefield, I go and get a, a creature of mana value two or less from my library. Um, or I, you know, I reanimate a creature from my graveyard that has a certain band of mana value. Um, so we can use it as a means to say I want to cap kind of how powerful it is. Because if I say go to your library and get any creature or any green creature, what you know, I can get really big, powerful things. But if I say go get mana value two or less, with a few rare exceptions, we'll get to it's mostly the you know the power level is about the same, right? The power level definitely. Um, ends up in the same band. The other way I use mana Value, which is a lot of how Alpha used it, is kind of gauging how strong something is. Um, so like, if I, like, Animate Artifact, a good example is, hey, the more powerful the artifact, the more expensive the artifact, the more powerful it is as a creature. Um, you know, we have cards like, reveal the top card of your library and do damage equal to the mana Value of that card. Or draw a card and lose life equal to the mana Value of that card. Now, once again, mana value could be positive or negative. You could, like, you could be rewarded for big things or not. Um, we do use mana value sometimes in themes, stuff like the ferocious mechanic. We're like, oh, I want to have a creature of power four or greater. You know, that, that's a mana value thing. Um, now, one of the things to note is there are other things we can care about. One of the most common thing is when do you care about power versus caring about mana value? Um, And the answer there is when the thing you're doing, how correlative is it to power? If, for example, I'm giving plus one, plus one to a one-powered creature, well, then all one-powered creatures are treated the same. They go from one power to two-power. Or if I'm making a one-powered creature unblockable, okay, I'm roughly doing the same, like the damage I can do is roughly the same because you know the, the power is what matters with the effect. But if I say, go into your library and I say get a one power creature well, now it's not about the power level of the creature. It's not about the sorry, power of the creature. The power level can vary great. I can get a one drop that is a one power creature. I can get an eight drop that's a one power creature with a really, really powerful enter the battlefield effect or, or, or ability or whatever. Um, when we want to care about things in which we we don't know, like we want to Limit the power level, or we want to keep it in a band. That's when mana value becomes really powerful. So there are places we can do stuff like refer to power. You know, like like I said, one of the things that we need to do when making magic is we want to um, we want to make sure that we give ourselves lots of tools and a lot of like mana value is just a tool. It's just a means by which we can care about magic, and it's big enough and robust enough that, like I said, it's it was part of magic in the very beginning. It's still part of magic now. Okay, so now let's get in a little bit about how it gets used when we make the set. Okay, um, the, uh, we have what we call a mana curve. So when we make a set, the way it works is uh, in limited, for, for, you know, in, a, in a set, we want to make sure in each rarity that there's a range of creatures. So at common, for example, we want some number of one drops, two drops, three drops, four drops, five drops, maybe a six drop. Um, And the way it works is different colors focus in different areas. For example, white and red tend to get a little more of lower drop creatures. Uh, Most colors get one one drop, but white and red tend to get two one drops. On the flip side of things, um, green, for example, tends to get the biggest creatures. It is the most, like, if you look at green's creatures, it is the most creatures with power four, or sorry, with mana value four or greater. Um, Normally, green has the biggest mana values. We tend to give blue... Uh, either a wall or what we call a serpent which usually is a big 5-5 a five five or something that can conditionally attack it can't always attack but under some circumstances can attack um, and then uh, b- black and red can get um, like green can get 7-7 seven, seven or 8-8 eight, eight sometimes or sorry we're talking mana value green can get mana value up to like 7 maybe 8 at common um, blue can sometimes get 6 or 7 with its serpent slash wall um, and then black and red, we usually cap out about six mana. Um, there are some exceptions, depending on the status. If there's, if there's, like, a theme of larger creatures, like, you know, um, uh, Rise of the Rise or something, where there's a theme of larger creatures. But as a, a general note, um, we tend to cap out red at a, and black at about six mana. There are exceptions. And then white, uh, usually white gets maybe a five drop every once in a while we'll give it a six drop we used to not give white anything above a four drop um but that proved to be a little bit too much um so in general different colors have different sort of um slight nuances on the curve but we do make sure you know every color is going to have a one drop a two drop a three drop a four drop pretty much everyone will have a five drop and then six drop. and up it varies a little bit from color to color um but the idea there is we want you, when you're playing limited, to have a smooth experience that I'm, I'm able to play things such that when I build my deck, I can have something to do every turn. Now, we do care about mana value uh, for constructed, but we think about it a little bit differently. Um, when you're thinking about it for constructed, you think about the deck things are being played in. So let's say, for example, we're making a set and we know there exists uh, an existing deck that players are playing. One of the things we might do if we're adding things for that deck, we look at that deck and say, where is the mandate value the weakest? You know what? There's not a really good three drop for that deck. Oh, okay, we're trying to make a new card. Let's make the three drop. So when we're looking at mandate value for um, Constructed, we definitely think about where do things go in the larger context. Limited is about that set, obviously. Um, The other thing that'll happen is we tend to slot them out, and what I mean by that is you know, white's gonna have two one drops and three two drops and two three drops and a f- one or two four drops. Like, it's going to be slotted out. There's a little bit of flexibility. It's not like, you know, an exact, <coughs> you know, white has to always have this number of this thing, but there's defaults that we go by. Um, and I, I did a, an article, two articles actually, on mana skeletons, on design skeletons. Um, and the design skeleton, especially the one, my most up to date article. Um, actually shows mana values and sort of and some of them are like this range of mana value but they are different slots and then what happens is let's say we make a brand new card um so we'll have a hole so we'll say oh the hole we're missing is a four drop but let's say the thing we need to make for whatever reason ends up best being made as a three drop um you know there are mechanics like fabricate's a good example of a mechanic where um so fabricate was from kaladesh uh, it enters the battlefield with some number of either plus one plus one counters or one one. I think servos. Uh, there are the token creature tokens, um, artifact tokens, uh, artifact creature tokens. Um, and the idea is trying to get the right balance where you have the right abilities on the creature. That the choice of whether to get plus one plus one or one one tokens, like it's an, you know counters or tokens, is an interesting choice. Um, but what happens is some things like we have to cost things in in full amounts of mana. We can't cost other than some weird unstuff. We can't do half man or stuff like that. So um, sometimes when you're trying to cost something, certain cards, you can find the right mana value at a certain mana value, but not another. So let's say we have a a hole that's for a a four mana value card, but the best design of the card we're making is three mana value. What we will do is we will put it in that slot and then turn one of the three mana value cards into a four mana value card. Sometimes we have to do more than a one way shift, maybe three cards or something. Um, certain designs are much more flexible in how you change things around. Uh, other designs are a little bit more locked in. Like sometimes you make a design, and the power toughness are really key to how it works. Other times it's like, oh, give me a two-two or three-three. We can swap things around to make it either. It just is. You know, what does it cost? Um, but demand so value is, a, like I said, it's an important tool to describe certain things. It's an important tool um, to sort of balance and make stuff so there's, you know, decks are smooth. But uh, mana value has a few issues. Um, the biggest issue with mana value is while on the surface it's a very simple concept. Like when I say to you, I explained to you the mana value of a grizzly bear, okay, that's easy to grok. Okay, mana value, one in one a green, uh, you know, mana, that's right, mana cost, one in a green, mana value is um, two. But it gets a little bit more complicated. So let me let me start talking about some of the complications. Um, okay, so for example, let's say you have a card that has no mana value. Um, you know, we've made suspend, for example, cards that uh, you could only suspend them. You couldn't cast them. Uh, and there's been a few. We don't make a lot of no mana value. But eventually, I mean, from time to time, we make cards that don't have a mana value. How how do you deal with those? What What is the... I'm sorry, we make cards that don't have a mana cost. What is their mana value? Now, there are three areas we have to care about. We look on the battlefield what the mana value is. We look on the stack what the mana value is. And we look in every other zone what the mana value is. Uh, those three can be different. Sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. No mana cost, for example, they overlap. i would say, no mana cost. I should say no mana value. No mana cost. Uh, is a mana value of zero in all, on the battlefield, on the stack, in all other zones. So, for example, if I say go to your library and get a card with a mana value of zero, I am allowed to go get a land. I'm allowed to go get a card that can't be cost because uh, lands have no mana, have no mana cost. Um, but if I say, um, if I'm looking for something with a mana cost of zero, I can't do that. For a real classic example, is there's a card in Unhinge called Richard Garfield, PhD, that lets you cast a card as any other card that shares its mana cost. And people all the time are like, oh, can I play my island as a uh, black lotus? And the answer is no, because it's comparing mana cost, not mana values. Yes, the land has a mana value of zero, but it doesn't have a mana cost of zero. And so there is a difference between mana cost of zero and mana value of zero. Okay, next up, what are if you're using an alternate cost or an additional cost? So an additional cost is like kicker. If I pay extra mana, um, it does something. Uh, an alternative cost would be sometimes you can pay a cost instead of paying that cost. Um, in those cases, on the battlefield, uh, the mana value of the card is the original unmodified mana cost. So, for example, there's a card called Titan. So it costs one and a green for a 2-2, since I'm in Grizzly Bears today. But if I spend three green green, so if I spend an extra two and a green, it becomes a 5-5 five, five trampling creature. It enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters and gains trample. The mana value of Kabu Titan on the battlefield is still two because it doesn't look at um, what extra you spent on it. It just looks at the actual cost in the upper right-hand corner. Um, on the stack, it's also the original unmodified mana cost. Uh, when you look at mana value, it doesn't look at um, the additional cost. And then in other zones, you, you can't have paid that. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's just what the cost is. Okay, how about X? Um, so, X on the battlefield counts as zero. So, if I have a Hydra, uh, you know, let's that, say X in a green, and I get uh, X plus one plus one counters. Um, the mana value of the card on the battlefield for X and a green is 1, because X is 0. On the stack, it's whatever X is spent. It's the full mana spent. So if I spend 4 mana, so 4 and a green to make a 4-4 creature, you know, Hydra, um, the mana value on the stack is 4... It's 5. Sorry, because you pay the green. It's 5. But the mana value on the battlefield uh, and in other zones is... um, uh, Sorry. Uh, The mana value... Uh, in other zones, X counts as zero, so it just would be a one. So I talked earlier about how when we search the library for cost with a mana value one, that you know it, it's a bounded thing. Like, oh, all cards that cost one, one mana uh, are roughly the same amount of power. Well, it's true that all cards that cost one mana, um, but not all cards with a mana value one are necessarily, and X spells are a good example, that if I can go in my deck and get, let's say, a creature with a mana value of one, I can go get... Um, was it Ivy Elemental? I can go get the X and Green spell because that has a mana value of one, even though I can cast it as something bigger. Um, so, this is a good example where there's, even though we like using mana value because it locks things, there are some exceptions to that. Okay, next is a split card. So, a split card uh, introduced in Invasion um, are you have two cards on a card, and uh, their instance of sorcery is usually the same. Um, and then you can cast either side. Um, and there's a variant with Fuse we can cast both sides. Let's talk about the not fuse part first. Um, so if I cast... Uh, let's, say I, let's, let's say the card is one in a green or three in a red. Um, it doesn't matter on the battlefield. They're instant sorcerers. that can't be on the battlefield. Uh, when I cast it, if I just cast one side of it, the mana value on the stack is that side. If I spend one in a green, it's a mana value of two. I spend three in a red, it's a mana value of four. If I fuse it and I cast both, it's combined. It's a mana value of six. Now, in all other zones... Its mana value is both sides added together. So if I reveal the top card of my library and do damage to you equal to the mana cost of the card, its mana value in my library is the combined mana value of both the individual cards. Same for graveyard, for hand. Um, adventure card. So adventure cards were introduced in Throne of Eldrain. Uh, they are, in Eldrain, they're always a creature. They, they, usually they're uh, a permanent of some kind. Uh, and then you have a spell that's normally an instant or sorcery. And you cast the instant or sorcery. It then gets exiled. And then you can cast the permanent from exile. Um, okay, an adventure card, the primary thing, was what, what, what a creature in Throne of Eldraine, is the main cost. So when it's on the battlefield, the mana value matches the primary card. So like in Throne of Eldraine, whatever the creature's mana value, that's what it costs. When you cast it, it cares about what you cast. If you cast the instant or sorcery, the adventure, then it's, that's the mana value of the adventure if you cast the creature or the permanent then it's the mana value of the permanent on the stack Uh, and then in all other zones it's whatever the creature is it doesn't look at the adventure it's only what the the primary card is the creature whatever the permanent is okay prototypes prototypes showed up in uh the brothers war so prototypes uh have a generic cost in the upper right hand corner uh and then there's a lower cost usually with colored mana Uh, normally the the prototype cost is cheaper than the normal cost um, so whichever version you cast on the battlefield, it's whichever version you cast. So if you cast the more expensive generic version, the card is colorless and it has the mana value that's more expensive. If you cast the lower value, it's the color that you spent to cast it and it has the lower mana value. Uh, on the stack, it's whichever um, whichever version you cast. And in any other zone, uh, it is the primary card. And what that means is the large generic cost. Everywhere else, it's just that. Okay, now we get into DFC. So first, are modal double-faced cards? These are cards in which you can cast either side, um, and uh, they often have different costs. So uh, on a modal double-faced card, the battlefield just looks at whatever side is face up. So whatever side is face up, that is what the mana value is. Uh, when you on the stack, it's whatever you're casting it as. So you look at what you're casting. The, the whatever it is what you're casting, that's the mana value. Uh, and then in any other Zone. it is the front card. Every modal double-faced card has a front and a back. There's little symbols. And it's, it's the front version of the card in any other zone. So when we're designing modal double-faced cards, we have to think about what do we want the face-up one to be. It matters because that's the mana value in other zones. Uh, so uh, uh, TDFCs, uh, transforming double-faced cards, you can only cast from the front side and then they can transition to the back side. The back side has no mana value. I'm sorry, has no mana... I keep mixing these up. Has no mana cost. The mana value um, of the back side is whatever the mana value of the front side is. So whether or not it's on the battlefield or somehow on the stack, I don't know how you get the back on the stack, uh, but I think there's ways to do that. Um, it is always what the front, and in any other zone as well, it's always what the front is. Um, it used to be that the back had a mana value of zero, and there was some means by which that got abused, so they closed that loophole, and now the front has the mana value of the back. I think people assumed that to be true, and it wasn't true for a while, and it, it just caused—it wasn't really intuitive, so we changed that. Um, next, a Melded Permanent. Okay, so a Melded Permanent can only be on the battlefield. You can't have a Melded Permanent on the stack or in other zones. Um, so the way that works is you just combine—it's sort of like a, a, a transforming double-faced card uh, and a split card put together. You just combine—the mana value of a Melded card is the mana value of both of the mana costs from the flip side combined. Uh, Like I said, it's it's sort of how split cards add them together, uh, and um, transform double-faced cards look at the back, look at the front face. So, same thing for meld. Um, Next, a token. So, if a token is a copy, then it copies the mana value and has the mana value of whatever the thing it's copying. If it's not, then it's a mana value of zero. Um, And there's definitely some means. uh, I know there's some ways to construct to take advantage of that. If your opponent has a lot of of, uh, counters up, there's some cards that can very cheaply get rid of things with mana value zero, which can get rid of tokens, for example. Um, we do make cards from time to time that grow over time. Like you put counters on them, and then they affect things of that mana value. And so it takes time to build up. And the idea is, if I want to kill something with a mana value four, it'll take me four turns to build up to it. But because tokens are mana value zero, you literally can get rid of them r- right away with no waiting. Uh, and that's definitely mattered in a bunch of things. Uh, finally, um, Face-down cards, so things like Morph or Manifest, where you have a card that's face-down. So face-down cards on the battlefield have a converted mana cost of zero, and when you you cast them, uh, because they're sort of face-down on the stack, uh, they have a uh, converted mana cost of zero. Uh, It's not applicable in other zones. Okay. The reason I I bring all this up is mana value. Like I said, it's one of those things that the, the basic concept is not complicated. But it can get very complicated as you start making things. And, for example, when we made split cards, like, you know, there's a lot of concern of, will people understand split cards? You know, will they get that I can cast either one? And what we found is, no, the, the, the frame did a really good job of communicating, oh, it's one of these two cards, play as one of these two cards. Um, but what the mana value was, was something that was definitely trickier. And so, um, well, mana value is a very useful tool and is something that we make a lot of use out of. The reason I sort of walked through the rules is I don't think the average person knows how mana value works in all these different cases. Uh, And prototype uh, is a good example. So when we made prototype, originally it kept the mana value of the main card because in a vacuum, that's kind of how we normally do things. But what we found was that was abusive. The reason why? Well, there's things that care about mana value and you could get a mana value out that's much higher than normal and so it was just doing, it was doing some things that were problematic. And what we decided was, okay, well, we, because we're making it, because we're crafting it, it's a new mechanic, we could adjust it to make it work the way we need it to work. Um, but it's a good example where uh, manual value is a concept that we have to keep in mind. Like I said, it's a valuable tool. It is something we do a lot with InDesign. But there's some tricky parts to it. I and mean, that's why the reason I wanted to go through the rules was I think before you get to the rules, it seems like, man, there's very low cost to saying mana value on things. Now, another thing that we used to do for a long time, uh, back in the days of it being converted mana cost, was we used to be very careful about not putting that term in common. Um, I think we've softened a little bit on that, uh, partly because the the term mana value, believe it or not, has been a little bit easier for people to to understand than converted mana value. Oh, let me explain something that's really interesting. I'm a language person. Um, So there's this concept uh, uh, in words where, I don't know what it's it's called, Uh, but the idea is that the word sounds like what you think it is. And the idea is if a word sounds like what you think it is, when you learn what it is, it's stickier, right? If I have a word and go, oh, that kind of sounds like that thing, it means that I'm more likely to learn once what it is and just the name will cement with me because the word in a vacuum sounds like what the definition sounds like. Um, and for example, when you're making words, when you're designing words, and, and a lot of people don't think, most people don't make words, but one of the things you want, you want to do is make a word that evokes the thing that you're trying to get. So we do make words. We make keywords, for example. And... You know, there are three different types of, of words. There's words that are what I'll call intuitive words. Flying is a great example where the mere act of the word self-educates because the word flying comes with baggage that help you understand, you know, flying has a meaning. And when I learn the mechanics that flying is, the knowledge of flying helps me. I refer to that as piggybacking when you take knowledge of an existing thing to do it. The second thing is what I'll call sort of sticky names, which is they're not self-explanatory. Vigilance would be a good example of this, where in a vacuum, you have no, there's no way in the world you're going to see vigilance and have any idea what it means. But once you learn what it means, it does have, like, you can connect to it and go, oh, I see it. And you can come up with a definition in your head that makes it make sense, right? And so um, the third category are words in which they're not, I'll call non-sticky that the word doesn't really match up with what the concept is. Um, and what we found is converted mana cost was that third category. People it just... was non-sticky. We would explain what it means. People go, I, And they just wouldn't remember. Man and value seems to be in the second category where it's not that you're going to get it without learning it, but once you learn it, it it's, it's stickier. And so we found that man and value, people are doing a better job of sort of connecting to it. Um, why? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I mean, the word, the word part of me has a lot of reasons, but this is not a word podcast, I guess. Um, but anyway, because it seems that mana value has been a little bit stickier than converted mana cost, we have eased up a little bit on using mana value at common, where we were, we were skittish about using converted mana cost. We still want to be careful. It is definitely a concept that has more weight to it that's a little bit more complicated than you might think at first. It's the kind of thing that once you learn, you really might think, oh, it's so simple. But like, as I explained with my rules today, it's, it's not as simple as you think. Um, but anyway, the reason I wanted to hit Mandy Value today is I realized that it was a tool that we use that in a thousand podcasts, I hadn't... I mean, it's come up in, co- in context, obviously, but I hadn't talked about specifically that concept. And so... I'm trying as much as possible. I'm combing through magic. combing through all my design to figure out more things to talk about. So today, we're just diving deep on an interesting aspect of the game that I think, obviously, you understand because it's part of the game, but maybe you don't really think how deep of of how we think about it or the complexity in it or why we use it, and that was the point of today's podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. But anyway, I'm now at work. So we all know what that means. It means that the end of my uh, (laughs) drive to work, end of my podcast, end of of my drive to work, the funny thing is when I mess up the beginning, I can just redo it. And when I mess up the end, like, I did 30 minutes, I liked it. So that's why I mess up the ends. I mess up the be- beginnings as much as I mess up ends, maybe more. Uh, but you guys never hear it. So maybe one day I'll release a tape of just nothing but me messing up beginnings. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, it is the end of my drive to work. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.